Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Plastics Podcast, a show where three American wankers discuss the fallout of Taylor Swift, Joe Aylwin. It's heartbreak in the city. You're joined by Blair. Ask me if I'm worried about it. Lacrosse. Not even a little bit. And Maddie, I'm always worried about it. Gaylor. It's exhausting. And it's me. I'm here. It's Jacob. This week, the title race gets ever thinner as Liverpool pull out a show-stopping performance at Anfield, proving that there are, in fact, two squads for this team during the season. Will Manchester City edge out Arsenal for the tie, or will the Gunners remain strong to the tail end of the rest of these games? Well, (laughs) you're not going to get that answer because it's relegation week. The Plastics are here to talk about the tight race that's at the bottom of the table. The race to get demoted has never been closer, and the bottom nine places of the league are fish in a barrel. We'll give brief overviews on each team and our best guesses as to who's going to be yelling timber. This and our friend Frank rejoins the manager gallery. Did anyone have that on their bingo cards? I feel like this season would have been multiple bingos at this point because we are now at 13 uh, and I might be giving you reason for number 14 during my relegation uh, recognizance. Recognizance? Reconnaissance? Reconnaissance? Recognizance? Recognizance. Recognizance. I don't actually know if I know what it means, but I think it's like of your own uh, like accord. During my relegation recon. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's probably going to be a lot of discussions of managers this episode because most of these teams have sacked managers. But you know, before we get into the relegation talks, I think there's gonna be a lot of it. Does anyone want to talk about Taylor Swift and Joe Elwin breaking up? I, I didn't even hear this. <laughs> saw it on t- TikTok. Who's this Joe Alwyn? L- longtime boyfriend of Taylor Swift, Joe Alwyn. Really? English actor, making his feature film debut as the titular character in Ang Lee's 2016 war drama, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, and has what? since been playing supporting roles in films such as The Favorite, Boy Erased, Mary Queen of Scots, and Harriet. His accolades include a Trophy Chopard, a Critics' Choice Movie Award, a Satellite Award, and a Grammy Award. You think he got the Grammy because he was featured on a Taylor Swift song or something? I don't, has he ever, have men ever been featured on a Taylor Swift song? Um, oh, well, if I would have just kept reading. Uh, yes, he had contributions to Swift's eighth studio album, Folklore. Because of that, that he won sense. Album of the Year. Oh, okay. Pretty good album, I'll give it that. Yeah, give it to the man, all right. <laughs> Congrats, Joe. Well, all I'll, your hard work, Joe. Good job. I always believed in you. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so anyway, um, are we? Are either of you Taylor Swift fans? No. Okay. Well, th- I think th- she has a very large fan base. So what? this is, is this the is Swifties? in an effort to reach out, grab a few more listeners, uh, and rope them into I'm the not uh, sure. Premier League discussion. I'm not sure you know our target audience I, we might have to go over it it is typically not in the i got one for lester 20 to 40 gram looks 
at me. That's too soon. It's uh, too soon. Fake a smile so he won't see. Taylor Swift has shooters, man. Don't ever mess with her online because they will come for you and they do not hold back. That's true. That's They're true. crazy people. They but this, will, they but will this dox is, you. This is an inclusive outreach to the Swifties. I yeah. think. We're like, come on down. Experience the chaos that is the Premier League. Once they figure out AI, like it, they're going, they're going to be like eagle eye. Like they're going to be like the ones watching you. It'll be the Swifties. We're all fucked. Yeah. That's think, like the new secret police is the Swifties. I think we could use the Swifties ability to harness like the pop culture machine machine to track like Taylor Swift's doings mm. and train it on floor for uh, Balligan. <laughs> Balligan. Like every single move he makes, we might even know if he's thinking about the U S before he even does <laughs> the little minority report action going yeah. on. <laughs> he, he's, he posted this cryptic message. Actually, you know what? They already do that. Yeah. He, de- that. he defriended all of the, U- the England squad on, Instagram. Apparently, he had a very productive conversation with um, who's the new guy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't bothered. Wait, which one? It's not Greg. The new that's coach. All that uh, oh, Hudson. Will Matt Hudson. Roy Tony Hudson. Ray Tony. Hey, Hudson Yards. Don't knock the Tony. <laughs> the vessel. He had a nice conversation with, <laughs> with the vessel. The vessel. Mm-hmm. I always call that thing the beehive. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of that's what it looks like. Um. <laughs> anyway, just a little bit more fun facts on Joe Alwyn oh, before we break great. in here. Mm-hmm. These are um, fun. Blair, how are you? <laughs> media outlets have taken note of the privacy Alwyn and Swift maintained about their relationship. That's pretty healthy, you know? I had no idea they were dating, so good job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Congratulations. As Swift was more open about her romantic life in the past, i.e., you know, I think her previous songs might um, reference that. And then, nevertheless, their relationship was subject to constant tabloid scrutiny. Swift's 2022 song, Lavender Haze, discusses the rumors about the relationship. Um, Oh, is that the song that she was crying during the performance? That's all I know. That's all I've seen on TikTok is just a video of her crying and singing a song during like a live performance. Everybody's like, what happened? And then the news broke. Like she was thinking about how many commas are going to be in the check that she was going to receive. You think she's got to be like a top three. She's got money. Oh yeah. Like artists of this decade. Yeah. Maybe top five. Like earners. You mean? Or yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. Like oh, just yeah. gross. Beyonce. Yeah. Taylor Swift. Are we talking about just female or female and male? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think all, all of them. All of them? Yeah. She's got, yeah. She's got a very loyal following. Yeah. But anyway, as of April 2023, Entertainment Tonight ET reported, Extra Time reported that Swift and Alwyn have ended their relationship. So, Did they um, say why? Uh, all I have is that sentence in the Wikipedia article I currently have. Okay. Oh, <laughs> awful. There's a Wikipedia article for their dating? No, it's under a personal life oh, for jokes. Of, mm. of course. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Anyway, um, if you hear any sort of extraneous <laughs> noises, uh, it's because my mic stand has broken. And so I am holding this mic like a wrestling announcer would. Oh, we should have a drop from the ceiling. And then you can grab and be like, <laughs> and coming down the relegation tailpipe. So, First up, we have. There's a lot of loose wires going around. And I apologize. And I'm trying to keep myself muted as best I can. For context, he just muted himself. Anyway, yeah, so my thought, gang, was that we have nine teams, right, that are technically in some form or another chanced for relegation. We're not going to lean in too hard with the memes this episode, so we're not going to include Chelsea in here. 
Uh, we think they're probably pretty safe. Can, <laughs> can we say, for the record, though, I was looking at, um, I was doing some, I was doing my deep in the, in the research minds and looking at the goals for tally for yeah. some of these teams. Yeah. Chelsea is, of course, above all of them, um, but they have 39 goals scored this season, which doesn't feel like enough. Yeah, they, 39? You didn't mean so. 29? No. They, I believe Fulham have 39 goals scored. Chelsea have 39 points. They have 29 goals for. I'm sorry. Yes, 29 I'm goals for. Well, I gave them, I spotted them 10 goals, <laughs> and I still thought it was bad. <laughs> well, I think it was notable because uh, Holland himself alone has now scored mo- more goals than Chelsea. Oh, no. The entire team. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one, a single player, admittedly a pretty good player, has scored more than uh, roughly $600 million squad. Well, you know what? The 14-year-old in our TikTok comments say that none of the goals actually were impressive. They were just tapping. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) They were all tapping, to be fair. Actually, his karate chop over the weekend was pretty cool. Like his half-bicycle kick. Did you guys see that? No, I purposefully did not watch a City game this weekend or any of the highlights. It was the second goal. It just makes me... It was really good. Chelsea have one more goal than Bournemouth. (laughs) They don't. Yeah, they do. Leeds so, have thirty-eight anyway, goals. Uh, I'm I'm gonna reel this in though because I I think we can all agree that Chelsea probably aren't getting relegated this season. Did you see all the um, fans talking about sort of I don't know uh, wistfully about Thomas Tuchel and they're like, oh god. Not only did he you know bring us a Champions League. And, you know, glory to our club. He also got us a vital six points to start the season to keep us out of a relegation <laughs> scrap. It's very true. Though. And it's true. Each point is now very... Uh, I think th- what most people consider is the safety no matter what air zone is 40 points or above. Chelsea sit at 39. That's not there, but you don't need the 40. It's just like no matter what happens from now on, we're probably okay. So 40 is what... Uh, Rogers said that Ch- uh, that Lester was going to get this year. That was what he was aiming well, for. Well, we'll get to Lester in a second. Yes, we will. <laughs> uh, I just want to briefly talk about Frank Lampard because that did happen. So Frank Lampard is now appointed as Chelsea um, manager for the time being. And seeing them out to the end of the season, I believe, before cooler heads can prevail and they really look to a manager for next season. Unless, of course, Frank does really well and then he's reappointed as manager until his contract runs out for whenever that is. So, um, guys, okay. I don't think that was mentioned at all, was it? Like we didn't we Last didn't even mention. Yeah, we we had like a little. No, because it, it happened what two days ago. We, we had a little short list. Yeah, but we were we were talking oh, about Frank it. Frank was not on the bingo card. Oh, for I know that's manager. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Um. First of all, Frank James Lampard. Oh. Is. An OBE. Do you know what that means? Um, OBGYN. I would love to guess. Oh. He does not deliver babies. Okay. Is it? He doesn't deliver oh, trophies wait, is either. That, is that a degree? Oh. Is that a, no, no. It's a, it's a honor placed by the queen. I feel like you're reading my screen right now. No, Are you that, cheating? No, that's what MBE is. And then OBE is a difference. The most excellent order of the British Empire yeah. is mm-hmm. a British order of chivalry, rewarding contributions to the arts and sciences, work with charitable and welfare organizations, and public service outside of the civil service. Yeah, I mean, hmm. 
Yeah, he's he's got a he's, um, he's been around. They're still using the word empire in there, huh? Yes. Well, Kinda. this is Wikipedia, so okay. Yeah. Okay. Take it. Take it how think, you want. I think it. they still use the word empire, though. Why yeah. were we told Wikipedia was not like a sourceable thing for school papers, but yet they provide all their sources at the bottom? Well, yeah. So you don't use like my. I kind of get it because like you don't use Wikipedia as a source. You use the sources that Wikipedia provides. Wikipedia updated that Taylor Swift had broken up with a man in a day. Yeah, like that that's that's pretty. Well, they didn't. They didn't, they didn't say it. They said Entertainment Tonight said it. <laughs> <laughs> but the Wikipedia article didn't have them breaking up already. No, they said Entertainment Tonight reported. Oh yeah. well, it it did have. Never mind. Anyways, maybe they're Frank not Frank Lampard. Up. I don't know. Weird appointment. Uh, but you know what? He he he's a funny guy, and I kind of like him. Okay, Blair, um, do you do you also agree? Do we do we like Frank Lampard because he's a funny guy? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like Frank Lampard. I mean, I guess like um, if you can't get your number one target now, then sure, appoint Frank Lampard or whoever. Because this kind of means that probably wasn't going to be Julian Nagelsmann in the first place, right? Maybe yeah. Maybe Nagelsmann just needed an extended ski vacation before he could get in charge, you know, take charge of uh, Chelsea. This, I think a lot of these guys are, like, playing the field, though. They're looking at potential options out there this summer, and PSG could be open, Real Madrid could be open. Well, to, not to game theory it too much, but does this then put a coal or, uh, yeah, some embers under Tottenham's seat here to sign someone before potentially Chelsea lure them away? Because I think everyone can agree of the two destinations as a manager – you would lean towards Chelsea. Um, I think it. I think I think that Tottenham. Rem, I think they're always under that pressure um, it, when they have a, a Chelsea out there looking for a new manager. Um, but like, even when Tottenham necessarily didn't have that same competition, they still only managed to to convince Nuno uh, Spirito Santo to to sign up. Right, like that was kind of a, a weird summer for them. They went through a few. Um, appointments. They tried to. I think they got into like the final stage with. Was it Spalletti before they decided not to? Um, or he backed out. I think. I think what happened, if I remember correctly, Pochettino was coming back. Oh, okay. But then he went to PSG. Mm-hmm. I mean, before Conte, after Pochettino. Um, but yeah. Anyway, they're, they're the the merry-go-round. It does. It, yeah. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know. They, I think they're always sort of under that sort of um, stress, I guess, when they're trying to make an appointment, but it's even more so now. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, man. He's only managed three teams. Yeah. Derby. Starting in 2018, and before that, he played for NYCFC. Yeah, he had a stint here that was the, just the very end, I believe. He went, he went, str- no, he played for Manchester City for like a season or two, and then he went to NYCFC. Lampard did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I, I really thought he had more of like a background, but this is only his mean? like a, a background manager. of manager managing. Oh, he so he was kind of um, he he was in the spotlight for Derby because they were doing well in the championship, um, and like the stakes relative to where he went were low. So people were like, "Oh, look at Frank; he's doing really well." And then you know Chelsea come a calling, um, and he gets appointed, and then now everyone. I think most people agree. Way too big of a step. There, there was there was a couple of. He had a fifty-two percent win record at Chelsea. 
Yeah, which well, is better than Derby. That's true. That's true. But Derby Chelsea is not. That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chelsea like to see more than a fifty-two percent win rate. If you know, just well, not these days. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's the knives are out. Let's transition away because that's a weird thing, and we didn't take the time to really analyze that because we've been looking at the relegation. We've been Scrap. talking about so much more exciting things. So, yeah, crazy title race things happened this weekend, but we're going to conveniently forget about that, not only for Blair's sake, mm. but for my sake as well. And it was a really fun game to watch with two people who cared a lot, and I was sitting in the middle of it, trying to feel nothing. Mm. Yeah, I felt like I was getting a prostate exam for <laughs> 90 minutes. Anyway, I felt like anyway, both of you hey, were. Real it is. One of the most unpleasant experiences of my life. <laughs> 10 out of 10, I would not sit there again. Because we have a lot of ground to cover. And I think the plan is to go starting from the top, working our way down to 20th as the table currently sits, each Let's team that has a possibility of relegation. Now, I am going to allot five minutes. Ooh, okay. All right, boss. So we'll break right in. Cool transition music. <laughs> you don't have to say it. Wow, that was a wow. cool transition. Fantastic So transition. we'll start from the top, and that conveniently is me. So I'm just going to keep steamrolling here. Hmm. Mark, go. Uh, we have Wolves, the Wolverhampton Wanderers, the bogey team of last year and the years prior, and now... Um, a bit of a team in a, in a strange debacle. So let me start off by briefly going the point difference uh, as we go down the table. So uh, eighth place, Liverpool sit at 43. Brentford sit at the same. Fulham at 39. Chelsea at 39. And then dropping down to eight points is Wolves. Wolves sit at 31 points. That is only four points above 18th. So every team beneath Wolves is fine margins. Wolves have, uh, if you don't pay attention, appointed uh, Julian Lopetegui after sacking Bruno Lage earlier in the season, much earlier than after all of the serial sackings started happening. So The season of serial sackings. And uh, that's like, actually going to kind of play into my uh, theory on Wolves because I do think that uh, Wolves have um, done some... Okay business, but we have uh, Matthias Nunez that was signed as an incoming, um, Guedes that was signed as a striker, uh, Collins signed as a center back, Huang signed as a central forward, and um, coming out of left field, Pablo Sarabia signed as uh, a right winger slash uh, wingman. Uh, they had Connor Cody go, they had Gibbs White go, and they had uh, Leon Dendonker go. So we have brought in some... Uh, guys, we've left out some guys, notably, I think, in this case, Connor Cody as a pretty, pretty solid uh, center back going to Everton. Um, the issue with this is that I we see uh, Nat Collins go. I mean, Nat Collins come in, not exactly the best replacement for Connor Cody. Uh, and when I say that, it's because uh, Julian Lopetegui likes to play with now after Lodge is leaving, a back four or a back three. Um, the central, new central defensive figure for this is Max Kilman. 
he is probably their best defensive player, and that is not something I say lightly because they've had a lot of issues defensively going back. Um, Lobotegi's team is our, uh, I'm sorry, Lobotegi's Wolves team is characterized by some high intensity, uh, more, uh, a higher intensity compared to Bruno Lodge's Wolves team, uh, more possession, uh, less counters. Wolves have uh, some fixtures coming up. They face Brentford, they face Leicester, they face Crystal Palace, Brighton, Aston Villa, Manchester United, Everton, and Arsenal. Of those uh, teams, I see Leicester, Crystal Palace, and Everton as thing as teams that they can expect to get points from. Hmm. Uh, the issue here is that when we try to get points from teams, we tend to have to go forward. Uh, <laughs> and that is always an issue when your strikers don't really perform well. And this is where I hop on an old horse in Ruben Neves, uh, Wolves' current top goal scorer. Uh, Ruben Neves has... <laughs> I mean, second top goal scorer. Ruben Neves has five goals this season. Um, and I want you guys to, one guess, how many shots it's taken to get him five goals. 80. Not way too much. Okay. Uh, 35. That was your guess. It's too late. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, sorry. I have zero I'll go context. I'll second guess. 35. 35. That was much closer. That's good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Both of you. Uh, and that's 54 shots, five goals. Now, it wouldn't okay, look Okay, first of all, terrible. we were the same first distance all, away. This is my time. First of all. Uh, and it wouldn't look so bad if it was five goals in 54 shots, knowing it's Ruben Neves, but two of those are penalty goals. That's three open play goals, 52 shots. Clinical. Uh, I got one word for you. Yikes. <laughs> uh, the only other person to beat out that is Daniel Potence. Uh, he did six goals... I believe in 39 shots. Um, the issue here is that Wolves can get the ball forward fine. They cannot get anything done in the final third. And this is an issue for obvious reasons. When you want to take the game to Leicester, when you want to take the game to Crystal Palace, when you want to take the game to Everton, you need to get into their blocks. You need to get into their boxes and create chances. Huang was brought in for this exact reason. He hasn't really performed. Guedes hasn't really performed. Matthias Nunez has been a rare uh, light. I think he's been probably Wolves' best player this season. And uh, the true test of Lopetegui would be to get uh, those three players that I've mentioned, Max Kilman, Matthias Nunez, and uh, Ruben Neves, all operating at peak uh, efficiency. So what do I think? I think that an early sack for Bruno Lage has seen a wise move from the Wolves before a record number of sackings happened this season. And Lopetegui is shepherding them into safety. They're sitting at 31 points. They need maybe one more win, and I think they'll be okay. And that's Wolves. Um, I'll move it to West Ham. Who has West Ham? Who had West Ham? That would be me. Maddie, take it away. All right. We've got a West Ham uh, spearheaded by our, our boy Moyes. And my, my approach to this was a little bit different, obviously, um, because I think Jacob and Blair go for more statistics-based things, and uh, I'm more of a vibes girl. I think West Ham are going to be fine. They bounced back from a Newcastle 5-1 defeat fairly smoothly 
Uh, and Moyes seems to put a lot of emphasis on the group being super tight, uh, a lot of leadership within the group, the group rice making meetings with like his teammates about things that he wants to see them work on things that, you know, he's seen them on uh, do on the field. Uh, and I think some of the other teams on this list are much worse off mentally, um, and with injuries and games left to play. The one thing that is concerning about this team is Moyes himself. Uh, there have been a lot of um, vocal fans that want him out. They are uh, putting up signs saying Moyes out for the, for the games. And it was basically if they didn't beat Fulham this weekend, they were done. Or he was done. He was out. Uh, West Ham have the least amount of take-on wins out of any team in the Premier League. They cannot just keep a ball. They cannot dribble down the field. They have the third least shots on target and second least goal-to-shot ratio, uh, which is also concerning because they do not really have a striker, and they haven't had one for a while. Danny Ings was supposed to be brought on as some sort of savior for the team, and I might be joining Blair's camp, and maybe he's just not that guy. Maybe Ings is just not that guy. Maybe. Maybe he's just not that guy. Um, I think West Ham get 15 points out of their last games. Uh, I didn't write them down, but I can tell you what I was thinking. Fifteen seems aggressive. Eight. All right. So they play Arsenal. They lose. Uh, Bournemouth. They win. Liverpool. They tie. Crystal Palace. They win. City. I'm saying that they tie. I'm feeling positive. Wait, is this at Anfield? Yeah. No, no, it's away. Okay. Or, they might win. Yeah, yeah, Um Man United, I gave him a tie. Brentford, I gave him a win. Leeds, I gave him a win. And Leicester City, I gave him a win. So I think that was about Wait, you give Brentford. You give him a win against Brentford? Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, you don't have much time, so I won't pepper you with questions, but continue. That's that's it. That's Oh, that's it. Okay. Then I do we do have some time to pepper with questions. I Blair. think they're about gonna be minutes. okay. Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't have too much about West Ham because they've been like weird like they, they usually perform and they just have like don't have a striker, basically. Mikhail Antonio. Yeah. What's his deal? Fantastic question. I would love to tell you. Old. He's old now, Jacob. He is old. I really think that... Isn't he injured? No, Skimaka's been injured. That's the one I was thinking of. And okay. he's not expected to return until late April, according to FOTMOB. He has a knee injury. Um, that's kept him out since March 26th. That's been a very unfortunate signing for them. They spent quite a bit of money on him. I was really excited about him in the beginning of the season. Yeah, uh, he came in with a goal-scoring track record from Sassuolo, and... Yeah, I mean, he's got eight goals in 27 matches this year, which is not great. Um, yeah, I think they invested a lot of money to, uh, I, I think, try to start to move away from their alliance on Mikel Antonio. And unfortunately, that, uh, I don't know, formula has resulted in pretty significant injury time for Skamaka and also them having to pull the ripcord on a Danny Yang signing in January, which... And trying to use a Mikhail Antonio who just doesn't seem to be clicking this season. Um, he's not playing consistent times. He's not starting consistently. He's not scoring um, at all. He's got three goals. He, he doesn't look 
I don't know. Last year, Mikhail Antonio and West Ham were exciting and thrilling to watch. And it's just not that this year. I think, like, you look at their team. They had the 12 goals and 10 assists from Bowen last year. He's on four and three this year for goals and assists. Mm-hmm. You look at Antonio, um, who started out hot last year. Like, he does, it seems like, every year. But mm-hmm. they didn't really do that. He had 10 goals, eight assists. And now he's on three and two. Like, they've just seen a, a significant goal-scoring output drop off between the two seasons and I mean it's sort of hard to make up for a loss and almost and bring know, in Danny Ainge and expect that to change things yeah. I will hard cut West Ham there because we have to move to Crystal Palace Crystal Palace um, are theoretically in the relegation zone um, but I think that Roy Hodgson's got these guys in a pretty good position so, obviously, Patrick Vieira was at the helm for the start of the season. Um, up until recently, he was fired just a few weeks ago. Um, Patty McCarthy came in uh, in his stead for one game where they lost to Arsenal pretty badly. And then Roy Hodgson returned um, after really a brief uh, hiatus from the club. He, uh, you know, returns to the helm. I'm sure that the manager's chair in the office back at Crystal Palace HQ still smells like him. Um, still has his butt imprint. Exactly. Exactly. He, it's just as you left it perhaps. Um, and I think he's really got one thing to say and it's that we, that's, we back up Crystal Palace. We back up. Um, <laughs> in the two matches that Roy Hodgson has, uh, been in charge at Palace, they've looked markedly different from Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace and also from Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace. They're much more um, aggressive. They're lining up with their formation higher up the field, pushing their center backs forward, pushing their midfield forward. Um, Decore is kind of operating a, a, a sort of alone at the base of midfield. Jeffrey Schlupp, Jeffrey Schlupp in their last match um, was the highest average positioned player on the pitch. Um, Jeffrey Schlupp, that is, that is interesting. That um, is Premier League winner. Jeffrey Schlupp. Yes, do not forget. Put some Schlupp on his name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is, if uh, you would like to know, that was against Leeds where they scored five goals. Today, at the time of recording. Yes. um, So that was was quite the the performance from them, uh, a goal-scoring outburst. And that was really the crux of the issue for this team. They're a good defensive team. I think they have uh, in Gahey and... um, Anderson, a pretty good, formidable center back duo um, who've shown that they can be, uh, you know, pretty difficult to get at. Um, Tyreek Mitchell's a solid, you know, fullback option. Um, And, you know, at at right back, they've got a sort of slew of guys they've been using, but um, they just haven't been able to put it in the net. And I think the the story for Vieira and what was ultimately his undoing as manager was that, you know, in the, in the, run of games after the sort of festive fixtures, they weren't winning. They didn't win in 2023 until Hodgson took over. And in that run, they scored uh, five goals. They accrued five points out of a possible 36. Um, So, like, you just can't really survive that. And I think Crystal Palace were probably right in the end to make a change because, yeah, I mean, it just looked really dire. And what did Hodgson do? Some pretty basic stuff. He got Ebrechi Eze back on the pitch. On a pitch, um, he's started the last two matches. Very talented young attacking player. Um, probably one of the brightest young talents in uh, Crystal Palace's squad for sure, along with Michael Lise and others. But um, yeah, very exciting player to watch. 
And they've been sort of humming right along, even as they lost um, Wolf Zaha to a groin injury in the middle of that uh, Leicester match where they put up 31 shots, uh, including 20 in the first half, which was the most in a half um, since Opta has started tracking this sort of stuff in 2003. So, yeah. And will the pain be over? Yeah. So, basically, long story short, Crystal Palace were a pretty defensively sound team who couldn't score goals, and now they're a pretty defensively sound team who appear to be uh, putting the ball in the net. And they find themselves now six points clear of relegation in 12th place with a favorable run of fixtures to go to close the season. Most of their foes now are at the bottom half of the table. So, you want to call that favorable in a sense, but also it's a bit tricky because they're fighting for their lives, etc. But... I think they look like they're, of the teams that I, I researched for this, I think they're probably the ones that are most comfortable about their position in the Premier League. I, I do have one question Let's that you can answer in brief, I suppose, because uh, I think a lot of people will be wondering this, um, and I don't want to boil it down to a singular issue because I don't think it's that, but it's a big issue. And it's the lack, uh, it's having Connor Gallagher and then losing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think Conor Gallagher suited Crystal Palace well because he's like a little dynamo. And what Crystal Palace were doing under Vieira was they were playing this really sort of intense, sort of uh, physical, up-in-your-grill kind of defensive scheme. And I think Gallagher suited that well because he just had a ton of energy. He was pretty good at pressing. And then like he would you know, either win the ball uh, in the final third and he would be able to transition that into... Um, good shooting opportunities higher up the pitch um, or like he would be able to at least, at least just regain possession. Um, Gallagher's a weird guy. We kind of found out about that at Crystal Palace. He's a weird player. Doesn't really pass the ball very much, but I think at Palace, why he showed um, a flat, some flashes of brilliance is that he was able to win the ball higher up the pitch where he can then just transition to um, shooting or maybe setting somebody else up, but primarily shooting. It all comes down to the press, and yes. I think we must press wait, wait. on. I think I'll least say. Hey, you just ruined, like, the perfect segue. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? You think I'll least say what? Fits into Connor Gallagher's role, but can pass. Mm, interesting. Sorry, Jacob. Anyway, no, it's okay. We can uh, we can be reborn again in this, and let's move on to Bournemouth. Bournemouth, that's still me. Bow, bow, bow. Um, uh, so Scott Parker uh, has been rehired and fired from a different job uh, in the time that he uh, has been sacked at Bournemouth. Gary O'Neill, who I didn't look this up, has probably got to be the longest-serving interim manager of all time. I don't know if he's actually been named full-time manager. I, I think he's still the interim technically, but you know, he's still interiming because he, they're just kind of like, they're kind of hanging around, I guess. Um, they're not a good defensive team. They can't defend anybody really. Uh, they've conceded the second most shots this season, um, only behind Brentford. I think if you were to look at their shot mixture and the quality of those shots, you'd find that the ones Brentford concede are far less dangerous than the ones that Bournemouth concede. So, um, you know, you'd probably have to dig into that a little more. But Bournemouth's XGA, the, the uh, expected goals that they've conceded against themselves is quite high. I think it's like the second worst in the league or potentially the worst. Um, so, yeah, they're struggling at the back. And it's not that surprising. You don't really see a ton of talent in that back line. But what they have going for them is that they're, I don't want to say clinical, but like they're scoring pretty well when they get in front of goal. 
Um, they are only underperforming their expected goals by two. They've scored 28 goals on 30 XG. That's pretty good. It's one of the better uh, performances for a team in this sort of relegation scrap. Um, so that has really been their salvation. And I think that's down to Phil Billing, who has uh, overperformed his expected goals um, by a good amount, uh, making up for Dominic Solanke, who's been uh, struggling a bit in front of goal. And so really what's um, troubling this team is that, you know, Solanke's not really scoring um, like he was in, in the championship season last year. He scored 29 goals. But what they've been able to do is sort of boon him with um, some signings. Uh, Dango Watro, who has been quite good. Um, they've had Sinesi um, and some other guys uh, contributing to goals as well. So they are finding a way to stick the ball in the net, and that, I think, has served them uh, in keeping them chipping on forward. Um, so that being said, um, I think they're really relying a lot on Neto to bail them out. Um, and I think Bournemouth agree. They just extended him to 2026. Uh, he's been pretty good. I think he's been their captain this year. But he's ex- uh, overperforming his post-shot XG by 3.3 goals this year. So that's, that's pretty solid considering the number of shots he's seeing um, in uh, between the sticks. So looking forward, forecasting for Bournemouth. I think really for them, they are only looking at possibly two quote-unquote favorable fixtures going forward. And... I don't know if they're going to be able to do it at the end of the day. Um, I think they have to do the thing that all relegation battling sides do and pull out a, uh, a win or two against um, the odds against one of these teams. Cause they've got, they've got Tottenham on the road coming up. They've got to face Chelsea at home. Um, they have to face uh, Man United at home. Um, you know, so really I think Southampton maybe on the road uh, leads at home. Uh, they can maybe do it, but yeah, that's that's going to be tough, tough sledding for them. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll one question because we've got five seconds. Oh, a minute. I'm I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Liverpool nine, Bournemouth zero. Do you think that outlies <laughs> uh, displaces the stats a little bit? I think it definitely does. But like, if you watch this Bournemouth side, you look at their numbers. Um, it's not all that surprising to see them so low in some of these defensive metrics because. Yeah, they just don't defend super well. Um, and really, it's been down to this axis of like Billing and Solanke uh, getting forward. It's sort of too bad for them that Billing has been like their guy and he's tasked with doing so much because he has to like sort of drop into deep into midfield and, and cover that way and then also get forward and, and do their goal scoring. Um, I think they're just putting a lot of burden on him. And if they survive, it'll be probably because somebody else... Uh, steps in and you know bangs in a few goals um, provides some assists so yeah well all right um that's Bournemouth uh so you you're thinking not good I'm thinking it's not good um right now they're on 30 points 30 matches played so they are three points clear of relegation goal difference uh minus 29 that could come into play um you know Nottingham Forest are only team worse than them at minus 30 so yeah Gary O'Neill was appointed permanent manager. Oh, he was. Good for you, Gary. Thank you for checking me on that. No problem. Well, I will lead on to this next team with <laughs> Leeds. <laughs> ah, Leeds, yes. Our favorite American island on an already very English one. We have a succession in uh, Gracia. Gracia? Gracia? Gracia. 
Gracia overtook Marsh, Jesse Marsh, uh, <laughs> a major Leeds soccer manager himself, uh, and the incomings that we have for Leeds were Brendan Aronson, shouts out, uh, Sinestra, Tyler Adams, shouts out, uh, Christensen. Sinestro? Sinestro, yes, yes. Uh, what was his power? Uh, the, he uh, was a Green Lantern, and then he was corrupted to a Yellow Lantern. Oh, okay. Um, follow us for our DC talks <laughs> after this. <laughs> uh, Wober uh, as a center back, uh, Mark Roca as a defensive midfielder, uh, Nanto, uh, I think a young prospect as a left winger, and then lastly, Harry Potter himself, Weston McKinney as a box-to-box central midfielder. Did you say Rooter? Oh, Ruder, yes, Ruder as well. Thank you, Georgina Ruder, as a central forward. Outgoings, importantly here, Rafinha, huge sale for him to Barcelona. Calvin Phillips, sizable sale for him to Manchester City, and Dan James. Who- <laughs> <laughs> Dan James, Dan James. <laughs> uh, and I think that. Um, Anyone who looks and sees uh, an attacking talent like Rafinha go is bound to think, well, how are they going to replace that? And you know what? That's a good point because not they haven't really entirely replaced that yet. Um, additionally, Calvin Phillips, I think we all kind of saw him being really good uh, under Marcelo Bielsa as well as being utilized extensively by uh, Gareth Southgate. Without looking it up, how many minutes between the Champions League and the Premier League do you think Calvin Phillips has played this year? Uh, under 45. Maddie? 80. Okay, he's got 71 Premier League minutes and 41 Champions League minutes. Okay, oh, we were yeah. both wrong. Uh, anyway. That's in nine matches. Yeah. Nine it, appearances. It is, it's bad uh, because he's been injured for much of it as well. Um, but regardless, I think that the theme here is Red Bull uh, infrastructure, not Red Bull manager. Okay? Mm. Uh, the Leeds administration did something weird, and they backed Marsh... Uh, almost entirely with the signings, and then they promptly sacked him after the winter window. And so, uh, um, uh, excuse me, I'm going to try and find his first name really quickly. Javi. Javi Javier Gracia, thank you, uh, has had to work with this sort of uh, Red Bull adjacent model that he's got going. Um, he likes a 4-2-3-1. He likes working with target men. That's good. However, Patrick Bamford is usually injured, so that's not good. Uh, so he's been trying to operate with uh, a front two sometimes, so we'll have our central attacker also shift up with the uh, attacking midfielder. Um, this season, it's been the Rodrigo show. 11 goals. That is something that I think is uh, great if he's performing, but he was also injured for a time, and that's not great because Patrick Bamford also coincided with an injury, and there's your two primary attacking outputs gone. Uh, Crescencio Somerville is a 21-year-old Dutchman. He has uh, been the the next big talent here. Um, And so what you're left with is uh, a string of players that – have been trained to play Red Bull Bowl and trying to play it in a manner in which Gracia doesn't view it. So he's been like, he's been basically pounding a square into a circular hole this entire time. And that's fine. And the, the, the quote that I got that was, uh, that stuck out to me was that, uh, process doesn't matter. Results do. But Gracia likes the process. <laughs> so uh, he's been trying to get this team to work well. And you know what? It hasn't been working 
terribly bad. Um, if you look at their expected goal difference, they sit at, I believe, 12th. Uh, at negative 9.9. They are on the precipice of negative double digits, but they're not, notably. They sit just beneath Aston Villa on expected goal difference, and Aston Villa sit at sixth place right now, which it, like, I mean, with a negative goal difference, they sit, I mean, a negative expected goal difference, they sit at sixth place. Unai Emery ball, baby. I love it. (laughs) It's crazy. I love it. Uh, So, Right now, my hypothesis on Leeds United is they have 29 points. Um, I believe, yes, they have 29 points. And right now, that puts them at 16th place, only two points above 18th. They need a win and two ties, and they're fine. They need five points, and they're fine. Whether or not Rodrigo decides to do that is what will make the difference. Additionally, they have the second youngest keeper in the league that plays the amount of minutes that regular keepers do, which I think is a testament to Meslier because he's, he's actually great. quite good. Yeah. Um, they have Crystal Palace, Liverpool, Fulham, Leicester, Bournemouth, Manchester City, Newcastle, West Ham, Tottenham. Half of these, I think, are takeable. Crystal Palace, maybe. Leicester, probably. Bournemouth, probably. <sighs> West Ham, I don't know. It kind of remains to be seen. Sorry, I have West Ham winning. Okay, well then, it's okay. We can we got three badges there. I think this is well within Leeds' power to grasp it. Um, and lastly, I hope they do because I want our boys to be playing Premier League minutes. Um, so a mid-table team rebounding after a horrific stint with Marsh. That's my uh, that's my thesis on Leeds. So let's. Move on, and I want to give Maddie a chance to hop in, so we'll go out of order. Let's go on to Nottingham Forest. Okay, yeah, I, I mean, if you want to do Everton, that's fine. Uh, let's give Blair a break here. He went, he went twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, I gotta move things around so I can do this better. All right, Nottingham Forest, helmed by one Steve Cooper. That man, that man looks. People's sexiest man alive. Yeah, I mean, really. I'd have uh, an entire calendar of his face. They have had a... Long drink of Cooper. (laughs) They They have a tough last eight games in the season, playing Man U, Liverpool away, Brighton, Brentford, Southampton, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Crystal Palace in the final game. Each of these games, there's a good chance they come away with zero points. Nottingham have not had their best season. They did a total rehaul in the beginning of the season. They had an incredibly young team. And Cooper openly admits that one of his players isn't good. Uh, in the game that happened between Newcastle and Forest, um, or sorry, in the, in, in, uh, the Newcastle John Joe Shelby versus the Nottingham Forest John Joe Shelby, Shelby is incredibly different. He is making mistakes, giving the ball away, not finding pa- uh, finding passes or passion for the game. He was supposed to be passing these long-range balls that he was doing at Newcastle. And last game against Villa, he completed two out of nine long balls. Terrible. He gave the ball away, and they scored. Like, he's, he, he is not the man that Newcastle said he was, but also, how much can you be helped? They have gone nine games without a win. Uh, Cooper could be the fourth manager to get sacked, but at this point what difference would that even make? You've got eight games left. You have a manager that has been in charge for two years, I want to say now. And 
there's, I don't know how much it could really make a difference. They have had a ton of injuries over the season. They have acquired over 20 players and they have at least 10 players currently injured. They looked more defensive against Aston Villa and only conceded after some personal mistakes and they did threaten on a counterattack, which is good to see, but they still haven't won in nine games. Um, the only difference really between Nottingham and West Ham is the backing of the manager by the fans, by the, by the people in charge. Steve Cooper uh, has the full backing um, for the most part. <laughs> Maybe not the full backing. I think if, if it's one more loss, he's out. Nottingham Forest have the second most goals against, the third most post-shot expected goals, second least amount of shots, and second least passes attempted, the least amount of touches per match and carries and shots on target, and they have used the most amount of players this season. I do not see a way where they stay up. I think it's 19th or 20th for them. This echoes of a three years ago Fulham. I was going to say that same thing, the lone army. Yeah, where they signed i think around 20 people and the, but but you know, it was a bunch of like loanies and like weird signings was and, that ruben loftus cheek and yes no, was it he played yeah. for fulham yeah that was a weird year yeah yeah they yeah they were fighting for allegation with a bunch of players who didn't really seem to care because they're just all going to go back to their clubs anyway let me ask you this mm-hmm. maddie because nottingham forest has done that they have a ton of people but they do have um a couple of surprising i think cool players uh, Jay most, Wings? most notably keeler navas in my opinion mm. keeler navas and nico williams were the two reasons that they could possibly stay up nico williams young talent uh kind of has these like flashes in the pan of scoring a lot and then not scoring at all um but it also takes two to tango at the top so uh, if there's nobody to support him, you can't really do much. But Keeler Navas is only on loan for the season. That's true, yes. So um, he doesn't have a long-term investment. He can go back to PSG. That is true. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they, they have um, a very old Andre Ayew. They have uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. might, be a, might be a good talent for them. Um, but overall, do you think they do you, do you think this is a accurately placed team then maddie yeah well i'm saying 19th or 20th for them oh worse yep okay they have man U, liverpool brighton uh chelsea arsenal oh brentford brentford crystal palace and uh southampton so crystal palace and southampton are realistically yeah the two and it's on the road to crystal palace last game of the season mm-hmm oh that could be big. and crystal palace will also be fighting its own relegation yes. race but I think that the key point here is if Crystal Palace, like I said, is potentially safe by then, they might not care at all. They might be on the beach, as they say. So, like, uh, remember when uh, Arsenal played Everton last year and they were already safe? We won like 5 1 and nobody, they didn't care. They had yeah, not, they, they just want to go did home. Did not care. Yeah. So, yeah, I, well. I don't see a way out of this for them, unfortunately. Alas, uh, that might, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that uh, in a second. Let's move on to, I believe, um, Everton. Yes, Everton sacking super Frank Lampard so that he could fly high with the Chelsea Blues and replacing him with none other than the Sean Deitchmeister himself. Um, Yeah, Sean Deitch is doing the thing already, and I love it. 
Um, I hate that it came at the expense of three points to Arsenal, but uh, you know what? Damn it, he gets results. They were, last year, a pretty bad team with some good to decent players um, in important areas for them, particularly in attacking areas with Anthony Gordon, Richarlison, um, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, or the ghost thereof. This year, they are basically the same team without those players. Um, and so I think when we were coming into the season, I remember kind of talking about this Everton, uh, I don't know, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. And it was kind of like, well, they just seemed like to, they sold a bunch of their best players and they didn't really do anything to replace them with players of what you would consider similar, similar quality. Damari Gray is still there. They brought in Dwight McNeil. Um, they brought the Sims kid through uh, the academy. They bought Neil Malpay. But that has not been a uh, replacement for the output of Richarlison or Anthony Gordon. So Everton um, struggled mightily for a good part of the season. Um and they made the right choice in bringing in Sean Deitch, who has forged a specialty in doing a lot with very little and getting results out of that. The numbers do not like Deitch Ball. And I think what he does is he operates in the margins a lot. He takes advantage of the, the sort of structures of the sport with how they play. Um, in that, soccer is a fickle sport. It's low scoring. Um, even good chances are improbable ones by the numbers. And Sean Deitch takes advantage of this um, to probably the highest degree. Um, and so, yeah, Everton are pulling some performances out lately. Um, they've gotten points off of clubs like um, Arsenal. They've, they beat, um, let's see here, where's my list? Uh, yes, they have taken points off Arsenal, Tottenham, Brentford, and Chelsea. Uh, they have 27 points, and since they appointed Sean Deitch, they've accrued 12 of those. Um, that was on February 4th. So they are there. There's a, a notice, noticeable, I guess, step change in how many points they're accruing since Deitch took over, and I think things are starting to look a little bit more stable for them. That being said, he's starting from a pretty dire position, and so um, while I think Deitch seems like he's righted the ship. Um, He's done some interesting things to, to change around their, their tactics. Um, they still have a lot of work to do. And the main guy for them and for the Deitch resurgence, resurgence sorry, has been Abdullah Decore, uh, who is doing a lot for them out of the midfield. He's sort of like the um, Phil Billing role in that he'll drop back. Uh, he'll cover defensive spaces. He'll go out and help his fullbacks if needed. And then he'll also get forward and act as a second striker. Um, I was looking at an article talking about his performance against Tottenham and his uh, actions map on the pitch is pretty insane. He's basically playing everywhere. And uh, unfortunately for Everton, uh, Decore slapped, punched um, Harry Kane in the face and is now uh, banned for two more matches. They just played a match without him. They lost 2-0. So he's a very important way of keeping them uh, ticking forward, and they won't have him for uh, Fulham at home and Crystal Palace away in their next two. So that's a pretty big loss, and they'll need to find a way to sort of shore things up until he can return. Um, but in the meantime, I think continue to, you're going to continue to see more of the classic Deitch things. They're going to continue to attack the ball on set pieces. Um, you're going to continue to see random goals from guys like Keane scoring bombs from like not that far past the uh, half field and uh, getting a point off of Tottenham, things like this. 
And I don't know, I, I feel a little more comfortable in saying that they'll be safe, but um, I think they're going to need some luck to go their way because they're just above relegation and that's only on uh, the points difference. They're on 27 points, uh, minus 20 goal difference. That's what I meant to say. Um, so we shall see. TBD on them. Well, that is, uh, I think, I think to me, Everton are, the, <laughs> they, they certainly strike me as the team that will manage to stay up. Uh, Dice just kind of has that aura about him. Yes. And he certainly fits the profile of a, the kind of attitude you need as a Premier League manager. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but uh, I think the numbers really speak against them so far. <laughs> they so. do. Yeah. The, the performances that they've had, mostly they're pulling points from positions where the numbers don't say that they perform better than their opponents. Yes. Um, that's a generally true statement. In some, um, in some cases, they've had uh, better performance, but... I mean, they're typically down in XG. They're blow water. Um, you know, they're getting outshot. <laughs> they're not possessing the ball a lot. This is a classic Deitch thing, you know. Well, let's let's talk about numbers uh, then, Maddie. Let's talk about Lester. Lester have my number, and it's uh, they're using it. They call me and they say, "Hey, we fired Rogers." And uh, Adam Sadler, emphasis is on the sad, is in charge <laughs> currently uh, with some rumors of a one Jesse Marsh coming back around town to manage Lester. Um, apparently, plan A was to, I think plan A was to get through the season with Rodgers. Plan B was to find a short-term manager uh and then plan b.2 was find a um or let let the adam sadler roll out the, the rest of the season so now we're on a plan c and it's find a long-term permanent manager because none of our other plans have worked out reasons why i think they'll probably go down Team is rife with blame, discontentment, pointing fingers. Uh, James Madison deleted his entire Twitter account this weekend because he was literally booed off the pitch by his own uh, fans. He made a single mistake in a game full of terrible play from every single person on the field. It was not a game anybody should ever watch. They have not won in eight games. They are playing desperate soccer, and desperation breeds bad play. They have only taken eight points from their 14 games since the season resumed after the World Cup. It is the joint fourth lowest tally for that, that period of any club across the top five leagues in Europe. They are currently... Uh, <laughs> it was said that they are preparing to play in the championship next, uh, next season because Jesse Marsh said he would stay on if they went down, which you, you just don't... Put that out there. You don't put out those vibes. Uh, nobody wants to buy the players that we have, i.e. Thielmans. Uh, they aren't selling like they were before, and that is the only way that Lester do business is they sell a player for really high profit, and then they use that to buy other players. And it just hasn't been working. We put so much money into the new the grounds, the new grounds, the new training facility, and then COVID hit, and then we went just balls deep in uh debt and so now crawling our way out we haven't bought any new players 
we just recently paid off our debt. We've got a couple new players who seem to enjoy scoring on us more than for us. And um, they have the least amount of opportunity generating moments of the 20 teams. So we are winning at something. Reasons why they might stay up. Jesse Marsh, uh, I guess. I'm not really sure the power he can have in this firefighter situation, but uh, maybe they can work with the new manager bounce. They have the third most goals against, and they are in the top half of the table for goals to shots ratio, though, which is strange. Yeah, they have 40 goals this year. Yeah. They can put it in the net. They just can't stop it from going in their net. They have this issue where they play a lot better when they go a goal down. Yeah. Um, Soft factor time. Is that a mentality issue? Oh, yeah. The team is pretty toxic right now. Everybody is yelling at each other on the field. It is. It does not look fun. None of the players look like they are friends currently. Uh, Kieran Dewsbury Hall, one of like the chillest guys that I've. I've. Ne- I don't see him get a lot of cards. I don't see him get very aggressive. Just got a red last weekend. Like yeah. it. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel healthy, and it doesn't feel like they're going to pull it out. They have City at home next week. Then they have Wolves, Leeds, Everton, Fulham, Liverpool, Newcastle, and West Ham. They're, they're playing at the Etihad. Yeah. Is that is that five teams then that are kind of in this discussion? Or is that four? Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be Wolves, four. Leeds, Everton, West Ham. That is a lot of opportunity, theoretically. We gave Bournemouth a win. James Madison handed them the ball and said, go for it. Maddie, we we uh, haven't won in eight The games. ultimate question is, do you think they go down? Yes. I don't see a way out of this. There, There is no positivity within the squad, within the fan base, within leadership. It just doesn't feel like they're trying to work at anything. Is it uh, 19th? I think 18th. 18th. All right. News. Grim. Outlook. Dire. Southampton. Here we go. <laughs> Ralph Hassenhutel, the man with the four two 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 two, aka Formation Broadsword, sacked on a grim dark day. Southampton, a frequent visitor to the nine nil defeat. Nathan Jones appointed as new manager. Nathan Jones, who's that? Just imagine if you took a crazy guy and appointed him as manager, and then he started going off about how he might be the best and how he never has confidence issues and how he thinks he can save Southampton. And he displays none of the tactics indicating so. His entire tenure at Southampton, three months. Gone. In walks Ruben Sellas. Who's that? Former Valencia U18s coach, new assistant manager for Ralph Hasenhutl, now appointed permanent manager at Southampton. If there was a signing that strikes me as a future championship league signing, this is your guy. But let's focus on the facts. The incomings here. We have Mara as a center forward, young talent. Alcaraz, Central midfielder. Oyunachu, probably their big signing this year as a central forward, and Sulemana as a left wing. How many of these guys have been injured? Yes. No outgoings. Of note, I should say. What I have here is the issues in rebounding 
after Nathan Jones. Sellis on a ticking time clock and trying to continue Hassan Hoodle's plan. This is marked by counter pressure and off ball expectations for the team. Southampton's big thing is moving off the ball and creating their plays off the ball. The issue is they can't do it and create goals. They are a team that is marked and led by one James Ward-Prowse, free kick specialist. James Ward-Prowse does not create goals from open play situations. He's a dead ball specialist. And this wouldn't be a problem if there weren't just eight more games left in the season. There's not enough time to implement another strategy. So Ruben Salas is backed into a corner and must continue on what he came in as an assistant manager to do, which is continue Ralph Hasenhutl. We have open play issues. What does this mean? Shea Adams is your forward. Ward Prowse is your deep line playmaker. And they are the only two sources of goals here. They have too many deadweights. Salisu, Adams, Prowse, and Peters are, to my knowledge and observations, the only really truly uh, good players that uh, grace Southampton's team. The rest are deadweight. Trash them if they go to the championship. I think Romeo Lavia has been getting a lot of hype this year. The issue is the hype for what? Being a young talent? Sure. Being a person that can operate in a team and save them from relegation? I don't think so. Uh, I have here highlighted by myself, but marked by you, Blair, Southampton have the worst save percentage in the league. This is because their new signing, Gavin Bizzuno, is a 22-year-old goalkeeper. He is the youngest goalkeeper that regularly starts in the Premier League. Uh, He has good signs as a good player. He just has poor reaction saves. And he has a high ceiling. And we'll see where it goes. The issue is this is a issue for most of the Southampton players. The entire model is sign these young prospects and see what happens. It worked because Ralph Hasenhutl is good at his job. When he has a bad run of form and we have to continue in three managers in three months, that's very bad. And that creates uh, squad confusion on very impressionable young men. And now we have Southampton running like a chicken with its head cut off. The... Stats, however, flatter Southampton to some measure of degree. Uh, If we go by the expected goal difference, then Southampton are in 17th. If we go by the expected goals against, Southampton are in 12th. If we go by the XG themselves, however, Southampton are in 19th. Southampton struggle to create goals from open play, and this is what will be the death of them if they can't get someone other than James Ward-Prowse on the end of a goal. We have Shea Adams with five. We have Romain Parade down with two. He's a defensive um, player. Now, uh, I don't know what sort of adjustments they'll have to make, but I do think that there is some measure of light at the end of the tunnel here. Their future matches are against Arsenal. That's probably going to be a loss. Newcastle, probably going to be a loss. Fulham, Brighton, Liverpool, probably going to be losses. But they have Burnmouth and Nottingham, both uh, newly promoted teams. If they can get both of those guys down, those are two six-point games right there. It's slim, but it's there. And I want to believe. I you think, think they make it out. 
I think if Southampton make it out, it will be a great escape because they are spiraling. Uh, and I, you know, I, I do, I do admit that I was totally wrong about Leicester, Maddie, but I think Southampton are in a much worse spot here. Uh, they have scored almost half as many goals as Leicester had and conceded just as many. It's a grim outlook. Um, but the odds usually play to the direction they're pointing. And so I think Southampton do get relegated ultimately. Yeah. So who does that leave us with? Who, uh, Blair, who do you think the three teams are? They get relegated. Yeah. Um, Southampton. Um, I feel, I feel pretty confident in that one. Like Jacob said, I think basically looking at Southampton, they look like they, they sold their players and then they bought some young ones and they're kind of, they kind of seem like they're just going to be okay with a year in the championship or whatever. Um, because they have some good promising talent, but they don't have well-developed Premier League talent. Um, I think Bournemouth are going to drop into the zone. That was the one team of the three that I researched that looked like they're going to have the most trouble just given the uh, remaining fixtures they have and um, some of the troubles that um, plagued them. <sighs> Can I interest you in one Nottingham Forest? I think you could interest me in Nottingham Forest. I think those are the three that'll go down. Yeah, those, that's that's what I got. I think Nottingham Forest. Yeah, Maddie. <laughs> uh, we know Lester's in there. my heart. In my heart, I don't want Lester to go down. So in my heart line, it would be. Bournemouth, Nottingham, Southampton, or even Everton, Nottingham, Southampton. But realistically, after watching the last eight weeks, um, I'm going to go with Leicester, Nottingham, Southampton. You think Bournemouth stays up? Yeah. Well, folks, you've heard it. Please conduct any seances that are required to keep Leicester afloat this season. Um for the good of this podcast. Yes, uh, but that does bring us to the end of the relegation talk. Obviously, we will mention these teams as we see them in the eight match weeks that are left. I think a cool little feedback is send us the teams that you think are, are getting relegated, huh? Which one's it going to be? Do you think West Ham? Hmm? Hmm? That would be a curveball. Do you think Chelsea? Hmm? <laughs> that would be a curveball. Would how would financial fair play work when you get that squad demoted to the championship? I think... You would have to get rid of like 20 players. You know how for a brief time, um, the price of oil dropped into the negative? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were trying to... They were paying, they were paying people. people to yeah. take it. Yeah. I think that would be like the sim... That would be the similar sort of soccer... We will pay you to sign Mudrick. <laughs> yeah. Please take him away from <laughs> us. <laughs> I think, um, personally, if Christian Pulisic ever had the misfortune of playing in the championship, he would be eaten alive. Mm. Really? His body was not made for those tackles. Yeah. All of his ligaments would be donated to medical science. Uh, I don't think he'd go down. I think he'd get sold. I do, too. Yes. Uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts on this week? I would rather have Christian Pulisic playing for the Colorado Rapids than Chelsea <laughs> in the championship. <laughs> um, Why uh, the Rapids? I, don't know, I just picked a random team. Okay. Um, closing thoughts. I felt like I had something. Nathan Jones is also a pro wrestler, an Australian actor. I don't uh, think it's that Nathan Jones. And just jacked beyond belief. I think that is a separate Nathan Jones. I would hope so, but <laughs> in my heart of hearts, I kind of want to see him manage a Premier League team. I think pro wrestler could probably manage like 
they could they could do something i think like i think basically dan campbell is like a pro wrestler like if he wasn't gonna make it in coaching he'd be wwe track for sure i think sean deitch might have a stone uh, cold baby. yeah stone cold sean deitch the deitchmeister yeah um closing thoughts uh wish blair and i luck we're gonna ah yes continuing the pro careers yeah trying to make it out of uh non-league well, <laughs> folks, we're the Plastics Podcast. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and, of course, LinkedIn. And this train we'll- is leaving the relegation station. See you next week. What a tagline. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> I really wanted to work it in.